Christ the King Story Hour presents Pinocchio. Chapter 30 The Land of Boobies. Pinocchio, as was natural, asked the fairy's permission to go around the town to give out the invitations. And the fairy said to him, Go, if you like, and invite your companions for the breakfast tomorrow. But remember to return home before dark. Have you understood? I promise to be back in an hour, answered the puppet. Take care, Pinocchio. Boys are always very ready to promise, but generally they are very unlikely to keep their word. But I am not like the other boys. When I say a thing, I do it. We shall see. If you are disobedient, so much the worse for you. Why? Because boys who do not listen to the advice of those who know more than they do always meet with some misfortune or other. I have experienced that, said Pinocchio, but I shall never make that mistake again. We shall see if that is true. Without saying more, the puppet took leave of his good fairy, who was like a mama to him, and went out of the house singing and dancing. In less than an hour, all his friends were invited. Some accepted at once, heartily. Others at first required pressing, but when they heard that the rolls to be eaten with the coffee were to be buttered on both sides, they ended by saying, We will come also, to do you a favor. Now I must tell you that among Pinocchio's friends and schoolmates, there was one he greatly preferred and was very fond of, this boy's name was Romeo, but he always went by the nickname of Candlewick because he was so thin, straight, and bright, like the new wick of a little nightlight. Candlewick was the laziest and the naughtiest boy in the school, but Pinocchio was devoted to him. He had indeed gone at once to his house to invite him to the breakfast, but he had not found him. He returned a second time, but Candlewick was not there. He went a third time, but it was in vain. Where could he search for him? He looked here, there, and everywhere, and at last he saw him hiding on the porch of a peasant's cottage. What are you doing there? asked Pinocchio, coming up to him. Oh, I'm waiting for midnight to start away. And where are you going? I'm going to live in a country, the most delightful country in the world. A real land of sweetmeats. And what is it called? It is called the land of boobies. Why do you not come too? I? No, never. Ah, you're wrong, Pinocchio. If you do not come, you will regret it. Where would you find a better country for us boys? There are no schools there. There are no masters. There are no books. In that delightful land, nobody ever studies. On Saturday, there's never school. 
and every week consists of six Saturdays and one Sunday. Only think, the autumn holidays begin on the 1st of January and finish on the last day of December. Uh, That's the country for me. That is what all civilized countries should be like. But how are the days spent in the land of boobies? They're spent in play and amusement from the morning till night. When night comes, you go to bed and start the same life again in the morning. What do you think of it? Hmm, said Pinocchio, and he shook his head slightly, as much as to say, that is a life that I would also willingly lead. Well, will you go with me? Yes or no? Decide quickly. No. 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 And again, no. I promise my good fairy to become a well-behaved boy, and I will keep my word. And as I see that the sun is setting, I must leave you at once and run away. Goodbye, and a pleasant journey to you. Ah, Where are you rushing off to in such a hurry? Home. My good fairy wishes me to be back before dark. Ah, Wait another two minutes. Well, it will make me too late. Only two minutes? And if the fairy scolds me? Let her scold. When she's scolded well, she'll hold her tongue, said that rascal Candlewick. And what are you going to do? Are you going alone or with companions? Alone? Indeed not. There will be more than a hundred boys. And do you make the journey on foot? A wagon will pass by shortly that is to take me to that happy country. What would I not give for the wagon to pass by now? (laughs) Why? So that I might see you all start together. Stay here a little longer and you'll see us. No. No, I must go home. Wait, another two minutes. I have already delayed too long. The fairy will be anxious about me. Poor fairy. Is she afraid that the bats will eat you? But now, continued Pinocchio, are you really certain that there are no schools in that country? Not even the shadow of one. And no masters either? Not one. And no one is ever made to study? Never, never, never. What a delightful country, said Pinocchio, his mouth watering. What a delightful country. I've never been there, but I can quite imagine it. Why will you not come also? It is useless to tempt me. I promise my good fairy to become a sensible boy, and I will not break my word. 
Well, goodbye then. And give my compliments to all the boys at school if you meet them in the street. Goodbye, Candlewick. A pleasant journey to you. Amuse yourself. And think sometimes of your friends. Thus saying, the puppet took two steps to go, but then stopped. And turning to his friend, he inquired, But are you quite certain that in that country all the weeks consist of six Saturdays and one Sunday? Most certainly. But do you know for certain that the holidays begin on the 1st of January and finish on the last day of December? Assuredly. What a delightful country, repeated Pinocchio, looking enchanted. Then, with a resolute air, he added in a great hurry, this time, really, goodbye, and a pleasant journey to you. Goodbye. When do you start? Shortly. What a pity. If really it was only an hour to the time of your start, I would almost be tempted to wait. And the fairy? Well, it is already late. If I return home an hour sooner or later, it will all be the same. Poor Pinocchio. And if the fairy scolds you? I must have patience. I will let her scold. When she is scolded well, she will hold her tongue. In the meantime, night had come on, and it was quite dark. Suddenly, they saw in the distance a small light moving, and they heard a noise of talking and the sound of a trumpet, but so small and feeble that it resembled the hum of a mosquito. Here it is, shouted Candlewick, jumping to his feet. What is it? asked Pinocchio in a whisper. Is the wagon coming to take me? Now, will you come? Yes or no? But is it really true, asked the puppet, that in that country boys are never obliged to study? Never, never, never. What a delightful country. What a delightful country. What a delightful country. Chapter 31 Pinocchio enjoys five months of happiness. At last the wagon arrived and it arrived without making the slightest noise, for its wheels were bound round with flax and rags. It was drawn by twelve pairs of donkeys, all the same size but of different colors. Some were gray, some white, some brindled like pepper and salt, and others had large stripes of yellow and blue. But the most extraordinary thing was this. The twelve pairs, that is the twenty-four donkeys, instead of being shod like other beasts of burden, had on their feet men's boots made of white goat skin. And the coachman? 
Picture to yourself a little man broader than he was long, flabby and greasy like a lump of butter, with a small round face like an orange, a little mouth that was always laughing and a soft caressing voice like a cat when she is trying to insinuate herself into the good graces of the mistress of the house. All the boys vied with each other in taking places in his coach to be conducted to the land of boobies. The coach was, in fact, quite full of boys between eight and fourteen years old, heaped upon one another like herrings in a barrel. They were uncomfortable, packed closely together, and could hardly breathe, but nobody said, Oh, nobody grumbled. The consolation of knowing that in a few hours they would reach a country where there were no books, no schools, and no masters made them so happy and resigned that they felt neither fatigue nor inconvenience, neither hunger nor thirst nor lack of sleep. As soon as the coach had drawn up, the little man turned to Candlewick and with a thousand smirks and grimaces said to him, smiling, "'Tell me, my fine boy, would you also like to go to that fortunate country?' Well, I certainly wish to go. Well, but I must warn you, my dear child, there's not a place left in the wagon. You can see for yourself that it is quite full. No matter, replied Candlewick. If there's no place inside, I will manage to sit on the springs. And giving a leap, he seated himself astride on the springs. And you, my love said the little man, turning in a flattering manner to Pinocchio. What do you intend to do? Are you coming with us, or are you going to remain behind? I will remain behind, answered Pinocchio. I'm going home. I intend to study, as all well-behaved boys do. Much good may it do you. Pinocchio! called out Candlewick. Listen to me. Come with us. We shall have such fun. No, no, no. Come with us and we shall have such fun, shouted in chorus a hundred voices from inside the coach. But if I come with you, what will my good fairy say? Said the puppet was beginning to yield. Do not trouble your head with melancholy thoughts. Consider only that we are going to a country where we shall be at liberty to run riot from morning till night. Pinocchio did not answer, but he sighed. He sighed again. He sighed for the third time. And he said finally, Make a little room for me, for I'm coming too. Well, the places are all full, replied the little man. But to show you how welcome you are, you shall have my seat on the box. And you? Oh, I will go on foot. No, indeed, I could not allow that. I would rather mount one of these donkeys, cried Pinocchio. Approaching the right-hand donkey of the first pair, he attempted to mount him, but the animal turned on him, 
and giving him a great blow on the stomach, rolled him over with his legs in the air. You can imagine the impertinent and immoderate laughter of all the boys who witnessed this scene. But the little man did not laugh. He approached the rebellious donkey and, pretending to give him a kiss, bit off half of his ear. Pinocchio, in the meantime, had gotten up from the ground in a fury and with a spring seated himself on the poor animal's back. And he sprang so well that the boys stopped laughing and began to shout, Hurrah, Pinocchio! And they clapped their hands and applauded him as if they would never finish. Now that Pinocchio was mounted, the coach started. While the donkeys were galloping and the coach was rattling over the stones of the high road, the puppet thought that he heard a low voice that was scarcely audible, saying to him, Poor fool, you want to go your own way, but you will regret it. Pinocchio, feeling almost frightened, looked from side to side to try to discover where these words could have come from, but he saw nobody. The donkeys galloped, the coach rattled, the boys inside slept, Candlewick snored like a dormouse, and the little man seated on the box sang between his teeth. During the night all sleep, but I sleep never. After they had gone another mile, Pinocchio heard the same little low voice saying to him, Bear it in mind, simpleton. Boys who refuse to study and turn their backs on books, schools, and teachers to pass their time in play and amusement sooner or later come to a bad end. I know it by experience, and I can tell you. A day will come when you will weep as I am weeping now, but then it will be too late. On hearing these words whispered very softly, the puppet, more frightened than ever, sprang down from the back of his donkey and went and took hold of his mouth. Imagine his surprise when he found that the donkey was crying. Crying like a boy. Eh, uh, Sir Coachman, cried Pinocchio to the little man. Here's an extraordinary thing. This donkey is crying. Oh, let him cry. He will laugh when he's a bridegroom. But have you by chance taught him to talk? No, but he spent three years in a company of learned dogs, and he learned to mutter a few words. Poor beast. Come, come, said the little man. Don't let us waste time in seeing a donkey cry. Mount him and let us go on. The night is cold. The road is long. Pinocchio obeyed without another word. In the morning, about daybreak, they arrived safely in the land of boobies. It was a country unlike any other country in the world. The population was composed entirely of boys. The oldest were 14, and the youngest scarcely eight years old. In the streets there was such merriment, noise, and shouting that it was enough to turn anybody's head. There were troops of boys everywhere. Some were playing with nuts, some with shuttlecocks, some with balls, some rode bicycles, others wooden horses. A party was playing hide-and-seek. A few were chasing one another. 
Some were reciting, some singing, some leaping. Some were amusing themselves with walking on their hands with their feet in the air. Others were rolling hoops or strutting around dressed as generals, wearing leaf helmets and commanding a squadron of cardboard soldiers. Some were laughing, some shouting, some calling out. Others clapped their hands or whistled or clucked like a hen who had just laid an egg. In every square, canvas theaters had been erected and they were crowded with boys from morning till evening. On the walls of the houses, there were inscriptions written in charcoal. Long live playthings. We will have no more schools. Down with arithmetic. And other similar fine sentiments, all in bad spelling. Pinocchio, Candlewick, and the other boys who had made the journey with the little man had scarcely set foot in the town before they were in the thick of the tumult. And I need not tell you that in a few minutes they had gotten to know everybody. Where could happier or more contented boys be found? In the middle of continual games and every variety of amusement, the hours, the days, and the weeks passed like lightning. Oh, what a delightful life, said Pinocchio whenever by chance he met Candlewick. See then if I was not right replied the other. And to think that you did not want to come. To think that you had taken it into your head to return home to your fairy and to waste your time studying. If you were this moment free from the bother of books and school, you must acknowledge that you owe it to me, to my advice and to my persuasions. It is only friends who know how to render such great services. It is true, Candlewick. If I am now a really happy boy, it is all you're doing. But do you know what the master used to say when he talked to me of you? He always said to me, Do not associate with that rascal Candlewick, for he is a bad companion and will only lead you into mischief. Poor master, replied the other, shaking his head. I know only too well that he disliked me and amused himself by slandering me. But I'm generous, and I forgive him. Noble soul, said Pinocchio, embracing his friend affectionately and kissing him between the eyes. This delightful life had gone on for five months. The days had been entirely spent in play and amusement without a thought of books or school. When one morning, Pinocchio awoke to a most disagreeable surprise that put him in a very bad humor.
Chapter 32 Pinocchio Turns Into a Donkey The surprise was that Pinocchio, when he awoke, scratched his head, and in scratching his head he discovered, to his great astonishment, that his ears had grown more than a hand. You know that the puppet from his birth had always had very small ears, so small that they were not visible to the naked eye. You can imagine, then, what he felt when he found that during the night his ears had become so long that they seemed like two brooms. He went at once in search of a mirror so that he could look at himself, but not being able to find one, he filled the basin of his washstand with water, and he saw reflected what he certainly would have never wished to see. He saw his head embellished with a magnificent pair of donkey's ears. Only think of poor Pinocchio's sorrow, shame, and despair. He began to cry and roar, and he beat his head against the wall. But the more he cried, the longer his ears grew. They grew and grew and became hairy toward the points. At the sound of his loud outcries, a beautiful little marmot that lived on the first floor came into the room. Seeing the puppet in such grief, she asked earnestly, What has happened to you, my dear fellow lodger? I'm ill, my dear little marmot, very ill, and my illness frightens me. Do you understand taking a pulse? Well, a little. Then feel and see if by chance I have a fever. The little marmot raised her right forepaw, and after having felt Pinocchio's pulse, she said to him, sighing, My friend, I am grieved to be obliged to give you bad news. Well, what is it? You've got a very bad fever. What fever is it? It is donkey fever. That is a fever that I do not understand, said the puppet, but he understood it only too well. Then I will explain it to you, said the marmot. You must know that in two or three hours you will no longer be a puppet or a boy. Then what shall I be? In two or three hours you will become really and truly a little donkey, like those which draw carts and carry cabbages and salad to market. Oh, unfortunate that I am! Unfortunate that I am! cried Pinocchio, seizing his two ears with his hands and pulling them and tearing them furiously as if they had been someone else's ears. My dear boy, said the marmot by way of consoling him. You can do nothing. It is destiny. It is written in the decrees of wisdom that all boys who are lazy and who take a dislike to books, to schools, and to teachers, and who pass their time in amusement, games, and diversions, must end sooner or later by being transformed into so many little donkeys. But is it really so? asked the puppet, 
sobbing. It is indeed only too true, and tears are now useless. You should have thought of it sooner. But it was not my fault. Believe me, little marmot, the fault was all candle wicks. And who is this candle wick? One of my schoolmates. I wanted to return home. I wanted to be obedient. I wished to study, but Candlewick said to me, Why should you bother yourself by studying? Why should you go to school? Come with us instead to the land of boobies. There we shall none of us have to learn. We shall amuse ourselves from morning to night. We shall always be merry. And why did you follow the advice of that false friend, that bad companion? Why? Because, my dear little marmot, I am a puppet with no sense and with no heart. Uh, if I had had the least bit of heart, I would never have left that good fairy who loved me like a mama and who had done so much for me that I would no longer be a puppet. For I would by this time have become a little boy like so many others. But if I meet Candlewick, woe to him. He shall hear what I think of him. And he turned to go out. But when he reached the door, he remembered his donkey's ears and feeling ashamed to show them in public. What do you think he did? He took a big cotton cap and putting it on his head, pulled it well down over the point of his nose. He then set out and went everywhere in search of Candlewick. He looked for him in the streets, in the squares, in the little theaters, in every possible place, but he could not find him. He inquired for him of everybody he'd met, but no one had seen him. He then went to seek him at his house, and having reached the door, he knocked. Who's there? asked Candlewick from within. It is I, answered the puppet. Well, wait a moment, and, and I will let you in. After half an hour, the door was opened. And imagine Pinocchio's feelings. When going into the room, he saw his friend Candlewick with a big cotton cap on his head that came down over his nose. At the sight of the cap, Pinocchio felt almost consoled and thought to himself, Has my friend got the same illness that I have? Is he also suffering from donkey fever? And pretending to have observed nothing, he asked him, smiling, How are you, my dear Candlewick? Oh, very well, as well as a mouse and Parmesan cheese. Are you saying that seriously? <laughs> Why should I tell you a lie? Excuse me, but why then do you keep that cotton cap on your head that covers up your ears? Oh, the doctor ordered me to wear it, because I've hurt this knee. And you, dear puppet, why have you got on that cotton cap pulled down over your nose? 
Well, the doctor prescribed it because I've uh, grazed my foot. Oh, poor Pinocchio. Oh, poor Candlewick. After these words, a long silence followed, during which the two friends did nothing but look mockingly at each other. At last, the puppet said in a soft voice to his companion, Satisfy my curiosity, my dear Candlewick. Have you ever suffered from a disease of the ears? Well, never. And you? Oh, never. Only since this morning, one of my ears aches. Oh, mine is also paining me. You also? Which of your ears hurts you? Oh, both of them. And you? Both of them. Can we have gotten the same illness? I fear so. Will you do me a kindness, Candlewick? Willingly, with all my heart. Will you let me see your ears? Uh, why not? Uh, but first, my dear Pinocchio, I should like to see yours. No, you must be first. No, dear. First you, then I. Well, said the puppet, let us come to an agreement like good friends. Well, let us hear it. We will both take off our caps at the same moment. Do you agree? I agree. Then attention. And Pinocchio began to count in a loud voice. One, two, three. At the word three, the two boys took off their caps and threw them into the air. And then a scene followed that would seem incredible if it were not true. That is, that when Pinocchio and Candlewick discovered that they were both struck with the same misfortune, instead of feeling full of mortification and grief, they began to prick their ungainly ears and to make a thousand antics, and they ended by going into bursts of laughter. And they laughed and laughed and laughed until they had to hold themselves together. But in the middle of their merriment, Candlewick suddenly stopped, staggered, and changing color, said to his friend, Help! Help! Pinocchio! What is the matter with you? Uh, alas, I, I cannot any longer stand upright. Neither can I! exclaimed Pinocchio, tottering and beginning to cry. And while they were talking, they both doubled up and began to run around the room on their hands and feet. And as they ran, their hands became hoofs, their faces lengthened into muzzles, and their backs became covered with a light gray hairy coat sprinkled with black. But do you know, do you know what the worst moment was for these two wretched boys? The worst and most humiliating moment was when their tails grew. Vanquished by shame and sorrow, they wept and lamented their fate. 
Oh, if they had only been wiser. But instead of sighs and lamentations, they could only bray like asses, and they brayed loudly and said in chorus, While this was going on, someone knocked at the door, and a voice on the outside said, Open the door. I am the little man. I am the coachman who brought you to this country. Open it once, or it will be the worst for you. Chapter 33 Pinocchio is trained for the circus. Finding that the door remained shut, the little man burst it open with a violent kick, and coming into the room said to Pinocchio and Candlewick with his usual little laugh, oh, Well done, boys. You brayed well, and I recognized you by your voices. That is why I am here. At these words, the two little donkeys were quite stupefied and stood with their heads down, their ears lowered and their tails between their legs. At first, the little man stroked and caressed them. Then, taking out a curry comb, he combed them well, and when, by this process, he had polished them till they shone like two mirrors, he put a halter around their necks and led them to the marketplace in hopes of selling them and making a good profit. And indeed, buyers were not wanting. Candlewick was bought by a peasant whose donkey had died the previous day. Pinocchio was sold to the director of a company of clowns and tightrope dancers who bought him so that he might teach him to leap and to dance with the other animals belonging to the company. And now, my little readers, you will have understood the fine trade that the little man pursued. The wicked little monster, who had a face all milk and honey, made frequent journeys around the world with his wagon. As he went along, he collected, with promises and flattery, all the idle boys who had taken a dislike to books and school. As soon as his wagon was full, he conducted them to the land of boobies so that they might pass their time in games, in uproar, and in amusement. When these poor deluded boys, from continuous play and no study had become so many little donkeys, he took possession of them with great delight and satisfaction and carried them off to the fairs and markets to be sold. And in this way he had, in a few years, made heaps of money and had become a millionaire. What became of Candlewick I do not know, but I do know that Pinocchio from the very first day had to endure a very hard, laborious life. When he was put into his stall, his master filled the manger with straw, but Pinocchio, having tried a mouthful, spit it out again. Then his master, grumbling, filled the manger with hay, but neither did the hay please him. Ah, exclaimed his master in a passion, does not hay please you either? Leave it to me, my fine donkey. If you're so full of caprices, I will find a way to cure you. By way of correcting him, he struck his legs with a whip. Pinocchio began to cry and to bray with pain. And he said, braying, I cannot digest straw. 
Then eat hay, said his master, who understood perfectly the asinine dialect. <coughs> hay gives me a pain in my stomach. Do you mean to pretend that a little donkey like you must be kept on breasts of chickens and capons and jelly? Asked his master, getting more and more angry and whipping him again. At this second whipping, Pinocchio prudently held his tongue and said nothing more. The stable was then shut and Pinocchio was left alone. He had not eaten for many hours and he began to yawn from hunger. And when he yawned, he opened a mouth that seemed as wide as an oven. At last, finding nothing else in the manger, he resigned himself and chewed a little hay. And after he had chewed it well, he shut his eyes and swallowed it. This hay is not bad, he said to himself. But how much better it would have been if I had gone on with my studies. Instead of hay, I might now be eating a lunch of new bread and a fine slice of sausage. But I must have patience. The next morning when he woke, he looked in the manger for a little more hay, but he found none, for he had eaten it all during the night. Then he took a mouthful of chopped straw, but while he was chewing it, he had to acknowledge that the taste of chopped straw did not in the least resemble a savory dish of macaroni or pie. But I must have patience, he repeated as he went on chewing. May my example serve at least as a warning to all disobedient boys who do not want to study. Patience. Patience indeed, shouted his master, coming at that moment into the stable. Do you think, my little donkey, that I bought you only to give you food and drink? I bought you to make you work, so that you might earn money for me. Up then, at once. You must come with me into the circus, and there I will teach you to jump through hoops, to go through the frames of paper head foremost, to dance waltzes and polkas, and to stand upright on your hind legs. Poor Pinocchio, either by love or by force, had to learn all these fine things. But it took him three months before he had learned them, and he got many a whipping that nearly took off his skin. At last, a day came when his master was able to announce that he would give a really extraordinary performance. The many-colored placards stuck on the street corners were thus worded. Great full-dress performance. Tonight will take place the usual feats and surprising performances executed by all the artists and by all the horses of the company. And moreover, the famous little donkey Pinocchio, called the Star of the Dance, will make his first appearance. The theater will be brilliantly illuminated. On that evening, as you may imagine, an hour before the play was to begin, the theater was crammed. There was not a place to be had either in the pit or in the stalls or in the boxes even by paying its weight in gold. The benches around the circus were crowded with children and with boys of all ages who were in a fever of impatience to see the famous little donkey Pinocchio dance. 
When the first part of the performance was over, the director of the company, dressed in a black coat, white breeches, and big leather boots that came above his knees, presented himself to the public. After making a profound bow, he began with much solemnity the following ridiculous speech. Respectable public, ladies and gentlemen, the humble undersigned being a passerby in this illustrious city, I have wished to procure for myself the honor, not to say the pleasure, of presenting to this intelligent and distinguished audience a celebrated little donkey who has already had the honor of dancing in the presence of His Majesty the Emperor of all the principal courts of Europe. And thanking you, I beg of you, to help us with your inspiring presence and to be indulgent to us. This speech was received with much laughter and applause. But the applause redoubled and became tumultuous when the little donkey Pinocchio made his appearance in the middle of the circus. He was decked out for the occasion. He had a new bridle of polished leather with brass buckles and studs and two white camellias in his ears. His mane was divided and curled, and each curl was tied with bows of colored ribbon. He had a girth of gold and silver around his body, and his tail was plated with amaranth and blue velvet ribbons. He was, in fact, a little donkey to fall in love with. The director, in presenting him to the public, added these few words. My respectable auditors, I am not here to tell you falsehoods of the great difficulties that I have overcome in understanding and subjugating this mammal while he was grazing at liberty among the mountains and the plains of the torrid zone. I beg you will observe the wild rolling of his eyes. Every means have been tried in vain to tame him and to accustom him to the life of domestic quadrupeds. I was often forced to have recourse to the convincing argument of the whip. But all my goodness to him, instead of gaining his affections, has, on the contrary, increased his viciousness. However, following the system of Gaul, I discovered in his cranium a bony cartilage that the Faculty of Medicine of Paris has itself recognized as the regenerating bulb of the hair and of dance. For this reason I have taught him not only to dance, but also to jump through hoops and through frames covered with paper. Admire him, and then Give us your opinion of him. But before taking my leave of you, permit me, ladies and gentlemen, to invite you to the daily performance that will take place tomorrow evening. But in case the weather should threaten rain, the performance will be postponed till tomorrow morning at 11, anti-meridian of post-meridian. Here... The director made another profound bow, and then, turning to Pinocchio, he said, Courage, Pinocchio! Before you begin your feats, 
Make your bow to this distinguished audience, ladies, gentlemen, and children. Pinocchio obeyed and bent both his knees till they touched the ground and remained kneeling until the director, cracking his whip, shouted to him, At a foot's pace! Then the little donkey raised himself on his four legs and began to walk round the theater, keeping at a foot's pace. After a while, the director cried, Trot! And Pinocchio, obeying the order, changed to a trot. A gallop! And Pinocchio broke into a gallop. Full gallop! And Pinocchio went full gallop. But while he was going full speed like a racehorse, the director, raising his arm in the air, fired a pistol. At the shot, the little donkey, pretending to be wounded, fell his whole length in the circus ring as if he were really dying. As he got up from the ground amid an outburst of applause, shouts, and clapping of hands, he naturally raised his head and looked up. And he saw in one of the boxes a beautiful lady who wore around her neck a thick gold chain, from which hung a medallion. On the medallion was painted the portrait of a puppet. That is my portrait. That lady is the fairy said Pinocchio to himself, recognizing her immediately. And overcome with delight, he tried to cry, Oh, my little fairy! Oh, my little fairy! But instead of these words, a bray came from his throat, so sonorous and so prolonged that all the spectators laughed, especially all the children who were in the theater. Then the director, to give him a lesson and to make him understand that it is not good manners to bray before the public, gave him a blow on his nose with the handle of his whip. The poor little donkey put his tongue out an inch and licked his nose for at least five minutes, thinking perhaps that it would ease the pain he felt. But what was his despair? When looking up a second time, he saw that the box was empty and that the fairy had disappeared. He thought he was going to die. His eyes filled with tears, and he began to weep. Nobody, however, noticed it, least of all the director who was cracking his whip and shouting, Courage, Pinocchio! Now let the audience see how gracefully you can jump through the hoops. Pinocchio tried two or three times, but each time he came in front of the hoop instead of going through it, he found it easier to go under it. At last he made a leap and went through it, but his right leg unfortunately caught in the hoop, and that caused him to fall to the ground doubled up in a heap on the other side. When he got up, he was lame, and it was only with great difficulty that he managed to return to the stable. Bring out Pinocchio! We want the little donkey! Bring out the little donkey! shouted all the boys in the theater, touched and sorry about the sad accident. But the little donkey was seen no more that evening. The following morning, the veterinarian, that is, the doctor of animals, paid him a visit and declared that he would remain lame for life. The director then said to the stable boy, What do you suppose that I can do with a lame donkey? He would eat food without earning it. <laughs>
Take him to the market and sell him. When they reached the market, a purchaser was found at once. He asked the stable boy, How much do you want for that lame donkey? Twenty dollars. I will give you two dollars. Don't suppose that I'm buying him to make use of. I'm buying him solely for his skin. I can see that his skin is very hard, and I intend to make a drum with it for the band of my village. Imagine poor Pinocchio's feelings when he heard that he was destined to become a drum. As soon as the purchaser had paid his two dollars, he conducted the little donkey to the seashore. He then put a stone around his neck, and tying a rope, the end of which he held in his hand, around his leg, he gave him a sudden push and threw him into the water. Pinocchio, weighted down by the stone, went at once to the bottom, and his owner, keeping tight hold of the cord, sat down quietly on a piece of rock to wait until the little donkey was drowned, intending then to skin him. <laughs> 